When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. And if we sound a little bit more sprightly than usual here at Daily Record Towers, it's because we are no longer talking about the inane politics of Scottish football. The actual ball game is back, Scott. Wasn't it fantastic to watch that game last night? But before I'm going to drill you in the detail of that game, let's just have a quick chat about you and your situation because you are out in Leon for the game. How did you find, first of all, the flights and the whole process, given the coronavirus, uh, Scott, because I know a lot of the listeners will be interested in how that, that went. Yep, it was a bit strange, Johnny, in terms of the travel. No getting away from that. Uh, Glasgow Airport was as quiet as I've ever seen it. Um, nothing open, no very little staff. Um, so it was all a bit kind of eerie. Um, thankfully, you get through security a bit quicker. That was one bonus. Um but the flight itself was okay. Again, relatively quiet. I flew to Amsterdam first and then from Amsterdam on to Lyon. Um, when I got to Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, you noticed a big difference. Uh, a lot of peop- lot more people around, shops and cafes open, uh, and the flight was a lot busier as well. Um, Did so, I ask how long the stopover in Amsterdam was, Scott? Uh, it was only a couple of hours, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get in sample Amsterdam's delights before my next flight. Uh, so no, it was a wee bit strange, Johnny, but it was just felt good to be to be travelling again and going to a game of football. And then last night at the game, uh, I mean again, brilliant feeling just to be going to a game again and you no know, kind of writing stuff about the game and uh, you no know, just watching Rangers, see where they've been, it's or see where they are. It's 126 days, I think, had gone by with it without Rangers playing so um, in terms of the access to the stadium it was kind of what what we expected I mean everyone had to wear a mask inside the ground Um, social distancing in the press box and everybody was a couple of seats apart Um, post-match press conference was the same everybody was at at a distance so listen still strange and different to what we're used to but as I say what, what a what a feeling to finally get back to, a, back to a game again. One thing I noticed that I felt was a little odd, and this is just from watching the television pictures coming in, was the fact that the fans that were there, I think there was about 5,000 people in Lyon, uh, in, a, yeah. in an act of solidarity with the NHS, the, the French NHS, had said, uh, we'll just have key workers and NHS workers instead of fans. Yep. But I noticed they were all sitting together in a block. I was expecting them to be spaced all around the stadium. Was, was, yeah. Is that the way it was that, when you were in the ground? It was. I mean, that did occur to me. I mean, I, I, I kind of put it down to maybe people sitting together working a part of, you know, the same families or, you know, the same, you know, for, for instance, a group of nurses or doctors have been working together anyway. Maybe, you know, they're obviously allowed to, to sit, sit next to each other. I'm not quite mm. sure, but, I mean, there, there, there wasn't 5,000 in there, 
Johnny. I mean, that's what we were told that the number would be. But for the first game, for the Celtic game, we we seen a bit of the Celtic game as well, and there was only a couple of hundred in at that game. For the the Leon Rangers game, it definitely increased, but I reckon it was no more than than two thousand people in there. Um, and there were kind of groups sitting sitting together. Others were, were more spaced out. But um, I don't know whether that's just you know, the way it is in France. Maybe it's still slightly different from from back home. Certainly being out and about in Lyon, it feels different. Uh, you know, it, it feels slightly different to what it, what it is in Glasgow. There's a lot more people about. You no know, shops, bars, restaurants. I know in the UK things opened up again on, on Wednesday, the day I f- uh, flew over. But in France, it does seem uh, a lot more kind of flexible. Certainly going out at night, restaurants and, and stuff like that, it's it's very busy. There's a lot of people wearing masks, but not all. Uh, still a lot of people in, in bars and restaurants not wearing them. So it's been, it's been slightly different. Um, but I suppose it's just it's a good sign that things are, things are moving forward. Clearly, you were out sampling the the gastronomic delights of Leon <laughs> as a homework for what you were going to tell me in this podcast. It was sheer sheer yeah. work. I've only had a couple of cheese and ham toasties so so far. <laughs> got a couple of cheese and ham croissants. Uh, now, we've no, we've, because of the game last night, obviously we got to the stadium early, uh, see a bit of the Celtic game and then the Rangers game, and it was a late finish, obviously. We're an hour ahead, so by the time we get post-match interviews and stuff done, um, it was pretty late. So la- last night was uh, couldn't really do much last night, um, but it, it is nice to have a wee a wee stroll about somewhere somewhere different. It's a really nice city. As you say, the food department is really good. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get a sample a bit more of that tonight before the before getting ready for the games tomorrow. OK, let's talk about the game. It should perhaps have come to no surprise to us how well Rangers played, given their history in the Europa League in this kind of game against this kind of opponent. Yep. They do tend to play better when they're coming up against someone who'll come out of them. They've got that lightning quick break on the counter-attack. And uh, overall, it was an excellent performance. But still, this is Leon. This is a last 16 Champions League team. They're 1-0 up against Juventus going into their second leg, which will be played in August, which means they've got a damn good chance of getting to the quarterfinals. So, yes, they didn't have the best season last year in the uh, French League, where they came seventh. But like our league, it was was ended sooner than it should have been. So perhaps uh, we shouldn't judge too much on that. And if you look at their Champions League form, if you look at their team sheet, the kind of players that they have, uh, I mean, late on in the game, they brought on Moussa Dembele and uh, Memphis Depay, and yeah. know, that's a striking partnership to to cause fear in the hearts of of any defence. Yeah. So, so this was this was a terrific result on on their home patch. I thought it was a a really impressive performance from Rangers. I mean, I thought at the start of the game there was a bit of ring rust, which you would expect. Um, I thought it took Rangers a wee while just to get into their rhythm. Uh, John McLaughlin made a good save early on. You know, things might have been different if that had gone in, but once they actually settled down, stopped taking kind of needless chances uh, defensively. I mean, early on, uh, George Edmondson and Yanis Hadji, the two in particular, I remember, giving the ball away needlessly and you know, put the defence under a wee, bit of, a wee bit of unnecessary pressure. But after that first 15, 20 minutes, I thought Rangers settled into it. Uh, you're right, I thought the approach was almost identical to 
what we've seen in away European games against the likes of Braga, um, where Rangers were really compact, everyone knew their job, but you know, looked a real threat on the, the counter-attack. And after that, Leon kind of struggled to carve out you know, any kind of real clear-cut chances. And it always looked like Rangers on the break. Uh, no, they, they look far more far more threatening. That that kind of front, uh, front three that Rangers had, um, you're right about Leon. I mean, it wasn't their full strength team uh, certainly to start with, but I think that makes it probably overall, Johnny. The second half performance was arguably even more impressive because you no, know, with ten men, Leon start bringing on their big hitters. But I thought Rangers looked uh, relatively comfortable, even a man down. In fact, you no know, two guilt edge chances of their own in the second half with. Uh, Ross McCrory and Jordan Jones, uh, uh, Brandon Barker set up both of them on the on the break. It should have been three three or four nil. Um, so listen, overall, as Stephen Gerrard's starting to think about obviously the second leg against Leverkusen, I thought last night was the ideal preparation for that because it's going to be a similar type game. Um, obviously, with no crowd again, so it's going to be very similar. And you no know, Rangers can take a lot out of that. Uh, that game last night go ahead of going to Germany. Yeah, the one thing that struck me looking at that game, Scott, was the amount of space that Borna Barisic had down the left, especially after the first 15 minutes where Leon were pretty good, Rangers came back into it. And for the 15 minutes after that, or 20 minutes or whatever it was until Ryan Kent was sent off, Rangers were absolutely terrific. Really yep. took the game to them. And it was quite interesting to see Leon clearly hadn't done their homework on Rangers because... You just saw Kent or Haji, whoever was playing over on that left side, was just coming on the inside and the defender was following them. Yeah. And that just gave Barisic so much space. And yep. he was he was terrific and obviously was instrumental in the second goal. But but let's let's touch on that first goal. Ryan Kent has been criticized, Scott. We we've been talking about this for a for a for a long time on this podcast about how good a player he is, but that he needs to start racking up those numbers in terms of yep. goals and assists. And last night, I thought for 39 minutes, and we'll talk about the sending off later, but for 39 minutes, I thought he looked really at it. He looked powerful. He looked like he was wanting to get stuck into challenges and win the ball back. So was pressing and his harrying was terrific. But what he did for that first goal, that is exactly what you want to see from Ryan Kent. We short corner, yep. goes past his man. Very, very good cross in a dangerous area, and of course it gets deflected in. But isn't that what what you would want to see from Ryan Kent for for the rest of the season? Well, of course it is, and I mean I thought about that last night. No, we we've spoke so often about uh, he only I think he only got one assist in the whole of last season, which for your seven million pound winger, no, isn't good enough. We've we've, mm. we've talked zero we've in talked the league. About, yeah, I mean we've talked about it uh, as I say so often. So. When the goal went in last night, I did think, God, that's Kent already. He's got one. That's one assist for the for the season, albeit in a friendly. And it was a brilliant assist because, you no know, quick thinking with a short corner, he then drives at his man on the on the touchlines. You see, using that pace and power to get into the box, and then you're just wanting me to put it into a dangerous area, and that's that's what he did. Um, Hadji obviously sticks a leg out and try try to claim the goal, but. We've seen uh, on the replays that it was that it was a an OG from from Marcello, but you're right from Rangers' point of view. I mean, I think the Leon manager admitted that he hadn't really done his enough homework on Rangers' set pieces. They should have been able to stop that uh, short corner. They should have known uh, what Rangers were going to try and do, but they couldn't. 
and the uh, Rangers got a great a great goal for it. But I think you're right about Kent that that first half hour, once the team got into the rhythm, you no, know, it looked a real threat. And for me, Johnny, the thing that stuck out about the front three, it was the kind of interchanging between Kent and Hadji. Um, yeah. And I I think that's going to be a feature for Rangers this season if. That's the way Gerard goes. We had you on one side and, and Kent on the other. Now, I've said before, I think Hadji has to play more centrally. I think you know, you'll go, you're going to get more out of him there. I think that's his best position. But you know, we know he can play wide. And if he's given that kind of licence to roam, then he can go centrally. You can't, you can't stick Hadji on the flank, on the touchline and expect him... Uh, no, to stay out there, he's got to be given the freedom to come inside. And last night, I thought Leon couldn't handle the fact that you no know, Hadji's popping up on the left, then the right, Kent switching with him. You no, know, they're coming in field, a real freedom with Morelos obviously staying up top and that kind of compact uh, three in midfield. I thought it worked uh, worked really well for them. Tactically, it looked like to me there was a slightly lopsided thing going on, Scott. So if Barisic was pushing up, then Hadji would come into the middle and. Kent would go out wide. Yeah. So it was like there was a there was an attacking trident behind Morelos, yep. but it was lopsided from the running of the fullback. Now Celtic did that to great effect with Kieran Tierney when he used yep. to push on. They used to sort of become a back three. Lustig would 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 tuck in, and Tierney almost became a winger. And the, yep. the left sided winger at that point, Scott Sinclair, would come inside, and it would just give massive overloads. And I think Rangers are going to try to do something similar to try and move yep. Hadji more central. Um, well, and it'll be interesting to see how teams try and deal with that tactical innovation I, they've come up with. Well, well, I thought there were times as well, and no, you'll correct me if I'm wrong in terms of the tactics, but I thought there were times when I was watching the game and I would see Hadji popping up centrally, almost in that kind of number 10 position. So you're looking around to see well, who's filling in for him. And it was, and that was the beauty, that's the beauty of having Aribo, because the, the times when Hadji did go central, Aribo can just naturally shift over you know, and play in that wide role because he's done that before um, and he knows the job and Aribo's good at tracking back and stuff and you know, sticking to the sticking to the game plan. So, as I say, I think there will be a bit... We had you coming in permanently and he's obviously going to be a big player for them. I think they'll, they'll work, Stephen Gerrard will try and get a lot more fluidity into that Rangers team in terms of how they, they shape up. I mean, they'll be compact and um, solid defensively. But I think in the final third, he wants guys like Kent and Hadji to have you know, a lot more freedom. You know, that interchanging of positions, causing teams real problems, obviously with Morelos is the, is the, is the focal point. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that, or see if that kind of develops as the games go on and whether it can really work for them domestically. And a lot of these facets that we're talking about came to fruition in that second goal. When yep. you see Barisic freed up down the left, it's a great cross into Hadji. He sort of swivels, hits it with his left foot, and it does deflect off the Leon defender. I don't know which centre-half. It might have been Anderson. But the ball sort of trundles in past the keeper, and uh, Rangers are 2-0 up. Now, at that point, between the two goals, there was only maybe three or four minutes, but yeah. they really look confident. They're knocking the ball about with aplomb, looking every inch the confident European side that they are. Yeah, that, And that, goal, that second that, goal was well-deserved. That goal came for I think I'm right to say that goal came for the the goal uh, for McLaughlin in goal. No, Leon tried to kind of press Rangers at the back. 
uh, Rangers worked their way out of it and you no know, worked a situation where they got it out to, to Barisic. Um, so I know speaking to Gary McAllister after the game, they were so pleased with that second goal because that kind of you no know, epitomised the kind of game plan that they were trying to deploy. You Nobody know, knew Leon would come onto them and try and press them high up, but if they could get out, then you no know, they would pose a real threat, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Barisic again, like he did so often last season. No, gets into a crossing position and actually picks out picks out a man deliberately. No, he sees Hadji, picks him out, and of course they get a wee bit of luck in terms of the, the connection for Hadji and the wee deflection off the off the defender. But listen, it was a brilliantly worked goal um, to put them two 0 up, and that really kind of eased the pressure. No pressure, but it just it made them comfortable in the game. Um, gave them that cushion um, and they could really go on and play and just you know, try and keep the ball whenever they got it. And as I say, even in the second half when they were a man down, they, you know, they still still looked a real threat on the break. Yeah, Leon had their moments, Scott. There's no doubt about it. They had the odd chance, but you never felt watching the game that Rangers were under serious threat. No. Um, and, and I suppose that speaks volumes with the quality of player that Leon have, even if it's not their, their first string. You know, they've got serious quality. I was having a look at some of the, the values of the players. Anderson, the boy at the back, um, the Danish international, 30 million euros. And I thought uh-huh. Morelos gave him an absolute chasing. But yep. it just goes to show you the level of quality they have there. Let's talk yep. about this referee, Scott. I, <laughs> honestly, some of the things that, that, that I was watching last night, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. First of all, there's a, a, a terrible challenge on Ryan Jack. Uh, yep. You wouldn't have seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. I back. did see it. Yeah, I did see it. Uh, it, was a, it was a proper straight leg stamp yeah. down on the foot. Yep. Um, a definite yellow, a possible red. And the referee sort of said, no, no, nothing to see here. Had a wee word with him, continued the game. And you thought to yourself, oh, well, okay. That's quite sensible. You know, it's yeah. a friendly, you don't want players sent off. So I, I advocate the referee taking a slightly more lenient view in that, sen- in that sense, because it is a friendly match. You want 11 v 11. Then there was a challenge on Barisic, another naughty challenge about four or five minutes later, and you thought, oh, that's another tasty one there. Yep. Um, but the referee let it go, and you're thinking, uh, right, well, he's, he's taking that approach to the game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it didn't really make any sense. You're right about the Jack challenge. We've seen it back when the monitors in the press box, and immediately you knew that was a red card challenge, whether it's a friendly or or any game. I mean, that, that could have done Brian Jack serious damage. And obviously Jack uh, came off in the game. So we don't we don't really know yet whether uh, whether he has picked up something. So that probably should have been a red card. But like you, you're, you know, when the ref doesn't even book him and just as a word with him, you're thinking, right, OK, it's a friendly. He's going to be pretty lenient. Uh, he's just going to try and talk the players, talk the players through it. So... Listen, when he produced the red card for Kent, as much as you knew Kent was stupid, lifting his hands, I mean, he's barely touched the boy's face. Um, he was provoked in terms of, you know, again, it was a kind of naughty trip from behind on Kent, and then uh, Marcello was going to try and grab in the ball. I don't know why he's trying to grab the ball when it's a Rangers free kick. Um, then he gives Kent a little kind of pat in the back of the, a wee cheeky pat in the back, back of the head, so... Kent shouldn't have, have reacted and re- retaliated, but when he produced the red for that, you thought, geez, oh, I mean, it wasn't, it just wasn't in line with anything he'd done previously, in particular the, the, the challenge on Jack. When Ryan Kent thrust his hand out, he did do it with a bit of force, but yeah. watching it again back, 
he he slows just before the point of impact. Yeah. And then almost just pats him on the cheek. Yeah. So that striking motion was actually the only thing that had any force to it. But he did stop and then sort of just patted him. And I think yeah. you'd be really, really hard-pressed, Scott. And we know the details of this, having seen the myriad Alfredo Morelos incidents over the years here in Scotland, that it has to pass a brutality threshold yeah. for it to be violent conduct. And that but is... I think, I think, that you, I think two things. One, I think that I think when Ryan Kent gets up, he thinks that Marcello is the guy that's tripped him and had a nibble at him, so he's angry with him. And then he thinks yep. that no, he's then doubly angry when he thinks the same guy he's trying to get the try to get the ball off him. But that wasn't the case. It, it wasn't him that, that tripped him. And mm. secondly, you're right. I think it's that initial kind of swing of the arm that the referee's seen. You no, know, and he's thought there's a real intent there to you no know, to slap the player or, or punish the player, whatever it might be. Just that movement of the arm. I don't yeah. think I don't think the refs then realise that he, that he has barely he's barely touched him, and it was. It was nothing, really. But, listen, even Gary McAllister said last night that it was difficult to defend Kent. No, he knew it was harsh and no, knew it was soft. But as soon as you raise your hands in any game, no, and there is a wee bit of intent there, the refs, no, the refs just kind of panic. Uh, and he got the red card out pretty, pretty quickly. He didn't even give himself time to kind of look at it and, and calm things down. So it was disappointing for Rangers' point of view. But, I mean, I suppose... Perversely, it, it, it then became a real test for them, and I mean, Gary McCaffrey almost joked at the end that Rangers have become used to you no know, playing with ten men because they have had a few red cards, especially last season eh, or the season before, when you no know, they have they had to kind of go backs against the wall and play with a, with a man down. But at this stage of the season, coming back off the layoff, in terms of fitness levels and in terms of that real organisational shape and formation and being solid. Because of the, the, the sending off, it actually became a really good test, and you no, know, they obviously they passed it with flying colours. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, uh, they were they were excellent. Just just on this Kent thing, before we move on, you know, I'm a stickler for the rules here, um, <laughs> and, and and in terms of violent conduct, you know, it's got to be when a player uses or attempts to use excessive force or brutality, right? So. Yep. I look at that and I say to myself, is that excessive force of brutality? Brutality is defined as an act which is savage, ruthless, or deliberately violent. Now, I, I basically don't agree with Gary McAllister. I think that's a booking. Uh, it's never a red card for me because in the rules, it clearly states what the, 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 the statute of limitations is on force. Yeah. So, so, so while I think it was stupid to strike out and you're making the, to use the old cliche, you're making the re- referee take a decision. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't think it was a red card. Irrespective of that, Scott, Rangers actually organised well. And we know when they go down to 10 men, they've got this system, which is they bring the, the wide players in. Yep. And it's almost like a 4-3-2 yep. um, with the shape of a 4-5-1 without the 1, yep. uh, which is a fascinating way to approach a man being sent off. But, but Rangers have rarely lost a man and looked worse under Steven Gerrard, uh, no. and, and they didn't last night. Listen, it's a big uh, something you need to praise Gerrard for. No, as a young coach coming in, his first job. I mean, even early on in his reign at Rangers, no, some of the European away games, obviously Ufa is the one that, that sticks out when they when they get two men sent off. Um, tactically, they've been terrific when they they've suffered a setback like that. No. 
and I no, without taking it away from Stephen Gerrard, you wonder, you no, know, is that a, another kind of Michael Beale quality in terms of that kind of tactical nouse? Um, well, let me yet. let me jump in here, Scott. Michael yep. Beale wrote an essay on his Michael Beale website. <laughs> I think it was something like 2015, explaining his theory of the 4-3-2 when a man has been right. sent off and how it could work in practice for, for yeah. football formations at the highest level. Well, so there I'm, you I'm, go. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, it's his yeah. um, plan. Oh, and, that's, and that's just what I've done. And to be fair, Rudy Garcia, the, the Leon manager, made a point in his post-match press conference last night to praise Rangers for that. He actually mentioned the 4-3-2 and said he, he praised Gerard for, for the way Rangers worked it. Um, so, no, I mean, it, it wasn't any great surprise um, to see them being so solid. But I just thought when they made all the changes, I thought it would eventually have an effect on Rangers, you no know, taking some of your best players off. Um, but as I say, even the likes of Barker and Jones, you no know, slotted into the system uh, and actually carved out a couple of brilliant, brilliant chances. I mean, it should have... Without exaggeration, it should have been 4-0 because McCrory misses a great chance when it gets cleared off the line. He should still put it away uh, after Barker did brilliantly getting into the box. And then Jordan Jones has got to finish uh, his opportunity again when Barker got down the right and squared it to him in the box and he puts it, he puts it past. So, as I say, without any exaggeration, Rangers could and should have won that by, by more last night and that would have just... No, that would have put a real gloss on the, the overall performance. We should touch on Brandon Barker a little bit more, Scott, because this is a guy who's really <laughs> not made much of an impact in his time at Rangers. We know from watching him at Hibs that he is an absolute lightning machine when it comes to running, yeah. but we, we haven't really seen that at Ibrox. We, we haven't no. seen this electric pace until last night, and by God, this kid can run. When he gets an opportunity... Yeah. He is Grease Lightning. And you saw that last night with both these chances. Yeah. Uh, but he come off with an injury at the end, which is obviously bad news, because if you yeah. want to have the kind of performance that he showed, uh, I know it was a cameo spell, I know it wasn't the full game, but that, that's really, really exciting for Rangers fans watching that, to think that this guy could be at that level for the rest of the season. That would make a big difference. Well, uh, come off with an injury. What, one swallow doesn't make a summer, but... I mean, last night before the game, I'm thinking, will we even see Brandon Barker? Uh, no, and the Rangers shut again. Um, and no, I, I thought getting into this new season that Rangers would try and offload him, uh, try and try and punt him elsewhere. Because you're right, he's not shown any of the, any of that kind of pace and you no know, real threat that he had uh, when when Hibs especially when Neil Lennon was there, Hibs played that kind of counter-attack football when he was terrific for them at times. He, to me, we've discussed it before on here, I don't think he's done anything in the Rangers jersey to give the fans any sort of encouragement. However, last night, you're right, it was a bit of a cameo, but suddenly you know, looked a threat you know, in that particular situation or scenario in a game you know, where you are playing the counter-attack and you know, teams are coming on to you, uh, no, he can clearly give you something when he's on it. Listen, I still think there's got to be a question mark over his kind of Rangers future. I think Stephen Gerrard still wants to trim that squad, um, add more quality as opposed to quantity, and Barker might suffer as a, a result of that. But listen, he's certainly done himself. He's done himself no harm with that 
uh, with that kind of mini performance last night, and Rangers will obviously hope uh, the injury they picked up isn't he, isn't he too serious. Listen, time is running short in the podcast, and we shouldn't allow it to end without discussing Rangers' defence. I thought in the first half, Connor Goldson was peerless. George yep. Edmonton as well was very good. Yes, he had the odd shaky moment in terms of his passing, but overall, yeah. eight out of ten, and really thundered into a few challenges. And and his passing's terrific. We've said that from, from the get go. George Edmonton can play the ball out lovely. Yeah, and uh, you saw that again last night. But for me, the key thing was at the end of the game, up against these top, top class players, Moussa Dembele, Memphis Depay, Rangers had a defence of Bassey, McCrory, Mayo and Patterson. And to be honest, they were they were terrific. I know it was a short period of the game, but these young kids came in and slotted in and followed the instructions and played with a real grit and determination, despite there being yep. no experience in there. The, the big question that I would have from that is this, Scott. Nikola Katic is going to be out for six months. Do you put faith in these young guys now and say, listen, this is an example of why we can cope without going out into the transfer market yeah. and replace, replacing Katic? Well, that, that's the dilemma for Steven Gerrard. We've mentioned it before. Um, I wouldn't get too carried away with you know, that kind of, as I say, that kind of mini performance last night. But listen, they came in. They coped really well. I don't think Ross McCrory will be a, a centre-back, but, but Gerard wanted to give Greg Dockett some game time for the bench, so McCrory had to move to centre-back. I thought the boy Mayo looked, looked comfortable. I've not seen a lot of him. Certainly last night, as you say, against real quality opposition. Uh, it didn't look as if it was going to phase him. Um, Bassey, I thought, when he came on, looked a wee bit shaky. There was a ball over the top right away and he get kind of caught under it but listen he's a new player he's a young player coming into no, never, never played in a game like that before against a club like Leon on that, that kind of stadium at, at first team level so no it's going to take him a wee bit of time to settle down um, but I think the, I think the thing that will please Gerard the most the coaching staff the most is the way that every player especially the young ones, came on and immediately get into the, the system. Johnny, immediately get into the formation. No, that, that kind of transition was seamless, despite having, no, well, I think there was nine changes in total they made to the to the team. I think that's a, one of the hardest things for a coach, is that when you make changes or bring new players in, how they adapt to the way you want to play and the, the system that you've set up. And if you can get these young players tuned in and buying into what you're trying to do, then no, you will have more trust in them, more faith in them. And no, I hope for Rangers' sake that no, in the next few friendlies, these younger guys do get more of a chance. And you're right, it might influence uh, Gerard and, and the board in terms of whether they go out and try and find a, a Katic replacement um, in particular, just because he is the one that's the first team player that's picked up a a serious injury. Um, so again, it's going to be interesting over the next next couple of weeks. I think new players will come in and I think a few will go out. But in terms of that centre-back position, he might have looked at a few of the young ones last night and the way they performed against a good level opposition and think, maybe, maybe I don't need to get a, a replacement after all. Yeah, these guys will have done themselves no harm whatsoever. Just on the post-match presser, Scott, was Gary McAllister, was there any reason Stephen Gerrard wasn't involved? Don't think so, Johnny. We were told pretty early on, uh, actually told before we came out here, that um, 
Gary McAllister would do post-match after Leon and Steven Gerrard would do it after the next game on Saturday. So we fully expect to get the manager after the game tomorrow, which will be good because we've, we've not had a great uh, we've not had a lot of opportunities to, to speak to Gerard. Um Obviously, we've not spoke to him face-to-face yet, so it'll be good to catch up with him, uh, quiz him on, on certain things. Um, you know, like you're saying, Akatic's replacement being one of them. They've obviously been linked with a few players. We need to ask about you know, some players' future, the likes of Greg Doherty, Jamie Murphy, these boys that are on the, on the fringes, Brandon Barker, Job Jones... Um, It'll be good to speak to Stephen Gerrard and get his thoughts on on these players and you know how he thinks they're, they're shaping up ahead of this, this massive season, obviously. And I want to go out against Nice and put a marker down. Celtic drew 1-1 with those uh, those guys, and it was it was an entertaining game. Yeah. Um, but Nice were, were definitely a side that are there to be gotten at, especially defensively, I felt. Celtic had a yeah. number of good chances in that game. And uh, it was very, very open, I think, Nice will suit Rangers' style. So I fully yeah. expect Rangers to, to actually win that game. And uh, I think it would be a bit first, of a boost for them to, to lift that trophy. trophy and come home, yeah. First trophy under Steven Gerrard, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> Listen, this part get... will be getting clipped and played on Twitter <laughs> if you don't behave yourself. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get too excited. Uh, no. But nah, you're right, it'll give, it will give them a wee boost just to you know, go and beat two... No, two real good teams. I think the Nice game will be different um, because I watched most of the Celtic game and I thought Celtic actually kind of dominated a lot of the possession and actually made the play in the game. So Rangers uh, will get that opportunity as well. And obviously that will be totally different to, to the Leon game where they had to where they had to sit in and, and play in the counter. So I think it will be a different challenge. But no, I didn't see anything from, from Nice that's going to worry Rangers and... No, you're right. Why not go out and, and win the tournament? No, get two victories under your belt. No, lift the trophy. Um, and it just starts to build a wee bit of momentum going into the going into the season. Also, we've got another two friendlies next week that that will no, that will be more geared towards the the first Premiership game of the season at Pitodri, obviously when they take on Motherwell and then Coventry. Um but certainly in terms of preparing for the as I said earlier, the European game against Leverkusen. These two games over here, I think, will be uh, really, uh, really beneficial to, to Gerard and the, and the players. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the one thing about not getting too excited about this. We know Rangers are a very good team playing on the counter-attack against European sides that come at them. We know that. The big question this season, to stop 10 in a row, to stop the Celtic title juggernaut, is going to be about whether or not Rangers can go in week in, week out, against Hamilton and Kilmarnock and teams like that who just sit yeah. in with 10 men behind the ball, desperately defending to try and get a draw or maybe even snatch an unlikely victory. That Those are the games that will define this season. If yeah. Steven Gerrard can find a solution to that tactical problem, this but, low block thing that we've been going on about for two years. I was going to say, it feels as if we've been talking about this for for. Two, two and a half years, Johnny. That that's that's the problem. Um, no, it has to tweak things. It has to improve things. It needs to add more quality if they're going to go over that that barrier and get them to the next level. No, we've said that a million times in one-off games against quality opposition, whether that's Celtic at home or or big clubs in Europe. No, Rangers are a match for for most teams, but there is this problem of. 
know, putting teams away domestically. When Rangers have all the all the possession and all the chances, um, they need to be more more ruthless. And I think, no, it's not going to be a big thing. But what I touched on earlier about just the, the kind of forward-thinking players like Kent and Hadji maybe having a bit more freedom um, this season to go and play and go into areas um, that they maybe not went in, not not went into before. I think that could be a a feature, and I think it might be in Gerard's mind that we need to free these guys up more to create more chances when it is, you know, deep line defences and as you say, teams sitting in for sitting in for a draw at Ibrooks. I think the the creative players need a bit more freedom to go and kind of work their work their magic. Um, as I say, I still expect a, a couple of new players to come in, but they're going to have to solve that problem. We've been talking about it for long enough, and. No, this is the time now. There's no, there can be no more excuses. Um, this is the season where they need to, they need to deliver. Yep, and we're all desperately looking forward to this game on Saturday. I think yeah, you could probably tell that we are much more comfortable and happy talking about the actual games themselves than all the politics that's been going on behind the scenes. So it's been a real delight to get back to the actual beautiful game. Um, Scott's reaction to the game will be in the Sunday Mail uh, on Sunday, obviously. Um, where he will be doing, I presume you're doing the match report from uh, yep. from the game, um, and I will be on the Daily Record Digital Desk uh, with the live blog, etc., etc., etc. So uh, until then, obviously you can get all your Rangers news on the website. Um, if you want to contact us to further the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott Eight. If you like the podcast, and we know many of you do, please get on to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this will help us get the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, thanks for listening.